So what if we told you that there was a really simple yet profound strategy that you honestly should get a standing ovation for if you implemented it into your travel business, it would make a huge difference. I'm not talking about just any tactic. I'm talking about a game changer for travel agency owners, advisors, and agents just like you. In fact, it's so simple, but so powerful. Today, we're unraveling the magic of working with 10 or less suppliers. And before you turn me off and call me crazy, and before you tell me that this is going to lead to a lot less sales, I couldn't be more clear in telling you that you, my friend, are absolutely wrong. In fact, it's quite the opposite. Hey there, I'm Sandra McLemore, and I have trekked both the globe and the travel industry for over 25 years. From my first steps as a travel agent to my exciting career as a travel TV host and contributor on network news and morning shows. And now, coaching over 42,000 travel entrepreneurs. Guys, I've seen the highs and the lows of what it means to market and sell travel. Whether you're taking your very first steps in the industry or scaling up to reach amazing new goals, perhaps feeling a little bit adrift and looking for a compass, you, my friend, are in the right place. In each episode, we're going to learn from stories that inspire, strategies that work, and conversations that dive deep into the heart of starting up and scaling a travel business. Fasten your seatbelts, stow away your doubts, and prepare for takeoff. This is your boarding pass to the Travel, Marketing, and Media Podcast. So I want to run through today maybe five or six different reasons why choosing to work with six to ten suppliers in your travel business is 1,000% the best way to go. And I guess first we have to talk about, because I know that you're, when I say things like this to you, immediately you start thinking of all the reasons why it wouldn't work. And we're human and that's human nature. And it's a part of what we do when people present us with ideas or concepts or just different perspectives, and they're different to what we currently feel, think, or know. The first thing that we do is to say, oh, that wouldn't work for me. And here's all the reasons why. So I want you to keep a very open mind until the end of this episode, and then we'll we'll see if this is right for you. But I, but I promise you, there's a lot here to think about. And I also want to be clear that this would apply to 90% of your bookings because you'll always have those really amazing clients that you want to maintain, that you want to keep in your book of clients that you love working with. They love doing the type of travel that you love to book, that you earn great commission on. But every now and then they're going to step out of what they usually do and do something different. So I'll give you a really good example. There was, There is a travel advisor called Nicole in our community and she does adventure travel. Like I'm talking adventure travel for people who like cardio, like not my kind of travel. These are people who want to hike every single day. They want to have an amazing gym in their hotel. They want to do river rafting, like whitewater rafting and rappelling and canoeing and like all the outdoor things. Like literally they're the type of people that shop at REI and think that's a great gift certificate to get for Christmas. Nothing wrong with those people, but that's like a really specific niche, right? So she had one of her clients say, you know what, we usually do this, but I just want to do a really amazing vacation for my four siblings, their spouses and their children. And we want to go to Disneyland. 
And she was like, oh, now she had two choices here. She could either refer them to another travel advisor that she knows um, that specializes in Disney and say, yo, these are my clients. Make sure boomerang, send them back. Or she could say, you know what? I can help you with that. I have done Disney training um, or I am certified to sell Disney or I do have someone on my team uh, that can work with me on that for you and just do it as that one. Because this is a client that she really, really, really loves having, but they just want to do this one thing outside their comfort zone. I think you find that this extra 10% of travel pops up when there is a special milestone. It might be a birthday, it could be a honeymoon, an anniversary, or maybe they're traveling with people that they don't usually travel with. So yeah, it doesn't have to be 100% of your travel. It can just be 90% of the travel that you book. But for those clients that are repeat clients, you would deviate from your usual. So if that means that Celebrity Cruise Lines is not on your six to 10 focus suppliers, not for any reason other than it doesn't align with your sales goals. And then somebody comes through and says, hey, I really want to sail on the brand new celebrity ship. I saw it on Good Morning America today. Um, I just want to try it out. I've never tried celebrity before. Yeah, of course you can go and do book that celebrity cruise. It just doesn't have to be a no for them, but it also doesn't have to be one of your focus suppliers. So let's jump in and have a look that being all kind of uh, as a preface, let's jump in and have a look at the six benefits for sticking with to 10 suppliers. So number one is streamlined operations. Working with fewer suppliers can simplify your operations. It makes training easier, reduces administrative overhead, and ensures that you and any team members you have or bring on in the future are well-versed in the products and services that you offer. So let's just say Ama Waterways was one of your suppliers. You would know that every Wednesday they have this really neat program called Webinar Wednesday. And it used to be Christine and Rudy and Gary, the co-owners, and sometimes Alex, their senior vice president of sales would jump in. Sometimes one from marketing would jump in. Basically every Wednesday, it's dedicated time that they spend with travel advisors every Wednesday morning. Now, can you imagine if you have 20 to 50 suppliers that you randomly book and they each offer something as dedicated and consistent as what Ama Waterways does? Showing up every Wednesday is fine, when you've got six to 10 suppliers or every other Wednesday, but there is no way that you would be able to show up for 20 to 50 suppliers to do new trainings, learn about new resorts, new hotels, new ships, new tours, new transportation options. Like it's just not possible. Having less suppliers means that you can truly focus your training and the opportunities that training brings to align with your sales goals. So as you bring in more advisors or agents to your team, it's much easier for them as well. Now, I said streamlined operations. Don't forget that operations are streamlined when it comes to other small but very important things like reconciling commissions. It's so much easier to revise a statement from six or 10 different suppliers than dozens of them. And we all know that the more suppliers you book with, the more accounting that you've got to triple check. And even if you're with a host agency, you still have to triple check it. So lots of different operational things change when you have less suppliers. Okay, number two is negotiation leverage. This is a really great conversation that I had with Glenda over at The Art of Selling. If you want to refine your selling skills, go check her out. She specializes in the travel industry. She was a travel advisor, very successful in a bricks and mortar store, and then went on and now coaches 
travel agents and advisors who very specifically want to work on closing of the sale and improving their, clo- their sales skills. Glenda and I had an awesome conversation maybe like two or three weeks ago. And what we were discussing is how a concentrated business volume with fewer suppliers can provide a lot of leverage in negotiations. So this could lead to better rates, exclusive deals, or additional perks for your clients. So take Michael, for example, in our community. He had never sold a river cruise before. He was all into ocean cruising. He went to um, an event where he met a lot of other travel advisors that did river cruising and couldn't believe the commission difference between river and ocean. And obviously, it's a completely different beast to sell. But the commission differences, if you've never heard of them, write us an email. We'll tell you a little bit more about it and point you in the right direction. I love when ocean, when a travel advisor specializes in cruising in general and really just does ocean and river because I think your travelers like to jump in and out between them. Um, and I also think that it's easier to convert your ocean cruises to river cruisers, not permanently, but just as opportunities arise. Anyway, I digress. So he had never sold a river cruise before and was able to build his river cruise an ocean cruise niche business up to several several million dollars a year. He was doing the last time I checked with him around four million dollars a year in sales. He is the only travel advisor in this business selling four million dollars, but he does have a team of admin staff. So he has somebody who answers all of his email. He has someone who does all of his marketing on his team, and then he has somebody else who is just like his right hand person that helps with bookings. Now he was able to negotiate his commission lines with one ocean cruise line now two actually i think i think he's almost done with the second negotiation by 1.5 percent and with a river cruise line by 1.75 percent and that was literally michael going to the senior vp of sales in all three companies and saying hi i sell a lot of you and i really am trying to build my business and maximize my commissions And other cruise lines right now are offering different specials. There's a cruise line out there doing 23% for the next 12 months. There's another ocean cruise line who's now uh, all the non-commissionable elements is now including them in commission. I really want to stick with selling you, but I would love to come to an agreement that based on my previous performance, that if I'm able to hit this performance for the next 12 months and hit X amount of sales, that I could be paid a bonus commission at the end of the year for all of those sales that I've made if I hit that goal that you and I would set. And they were so open and so grateful for that conversation. And I honestly, like Glenda and I were saying that probably not a lot of people know that that is a conversation you can have. Is every supplier going to give you increased commissions? No. A supplier is going to want a proof of work, like body of proof of concept that you can do all of this? Yes. Can you switch from one supplier to another saying, hey, I'm not getting the commission I want here, but maybe I can take my my sales records over to a different supplier and say, hey, this is how much I do in all-inclusive resorts. I would love to move all my business over to you. Would you be open to 18% instead of 17%? But I would bring all of my business over to you and it can be paid as a bonus commission at the end of the year, something like that. So uh, negotiation leverage is a great one. That's number two. Number three is risk management. So let's talk about the reduced risk associated with fewer supplier relationships. Now, this includes easier management of compliance, quality control, and reducing the likelihood of unforeseen issues 
with unknown or less familiar suppliers. And I have a great example for you. Again, it's actually a river cruise example. I try to mix them up in niches, um, but this one is a river cruise example. And basically this is a story of when you have less to focus on, you're more likely to, less likely to make an error. So this is actually an example. This story is an example of one gone wrong. Um, I'm going to call her travel agent K because I don't want to share her name with you. But she told me, and she's like, it's okay to share this story, but I, I don't know. Um, I'll tell you the story, but I'll, I'll safeguard her name. She basically explained to me that she sold her first river cruise and she was so excited. She had done ocean cruising and she'd worked her way up from Disney commissions and carnival prices into the land of luxury river cruising. And she sold a river cruise um, for a group of six adults. They were three couples that traveled on ocean cruises often. And it was her very first river cruise sale. Now, she had not been on a river cruise before. She had been to the River Cruise Expo the first year that it was on when I emceed and did the keynote in Budapest. I think a lot of you came to that in the very first year. And she was there and she got to inspect all the ships. She was super confident. She met a lot of the cruise. She met all the cruise lines who were there. She got to sail on a ship. Uh, she got to eat on a bunch of ships. It was really exciting for her. So fast forward, she sells her very first river cruise to six people. She had no clue. It had never crossed her desk. She'd never heard a story about it. She'd never seen it written down about the water lines, the river, uh, the river height raising and lowering, the river going up and down. And for those of you who don't sell river cruising, the rivers go up and down in their water levels and it's normal. It's natural and there is a plan of action in place. If the river levels are too low, the ship can't sail. If they're too high, the ship can't sail. And it's all about the, it's not so much about moving up and down the river as it is going in and out of locks. Um, that, that makes it predominantly more difficult and sometimes just not possible. And I've had firsthand experience of this. It actually turned out brilliantly to my benefit when I was sailing on the, oh my gosh, what river was I on? I was doing the, I was doing Avignon to Lyon on the Seine. No, oh my gosh, how embarrassing. The Rhone, on the Seine, the Seine of the Rhone. Yes. Anyway, I was doing Avignon to Lyon. I just went mind blank and I'm going to be so embarrassed until I finished this podcast episode and looked it up. But anyway, it was meant to start in Avignon, finish in Lyon and be seven days long. We literally spent, you guys, the first four days in Avignon, the first three days in Avignon, we couldn't move because of the river levels. Then we were able to move just two hours up so that we could get buses to take us on shore excursions to other towns. And then we went to Lyon and finished out our last three days. So we literally spent three days, one day and three days, three ports. That's all we got. But it was amazing because the ports were incredible. I could spend an entire week in Avignon. It was one of my, Anthony, we should come back here. Leon, same thing as well. And then the middle day, I think we went to Arles um, because I'm into Van Gogh and he did his starry night painting there. Um, anyway, needless to say that when you have a lot of suppliers, it's really hard to know and keep up to date with these things and these passengers clients of hers came back so angry and you know what their point was their point was it's not a big deal that the rivers go up and down and the ship can't go through the locks or the ship can't maneuver its regular scheduled itinerary what is a big deal is that you didn't tell us you didn't tell us that that was a possibility you didn't say the cruise line has plans. Sometimes they will keep you where you are and bus you to the shore excursions. Sometimes they will switch you from one ship to another. Sometimes the itinerary will be changed. And they were just so mad at her. And that's like I said, when you have less to focus on, you're less likely to make an error. 
if she and it's not so much at her fault because what you don't know you don't know but she had so many suppliers that she'd been booking over the years. she basically basically booked anything that came to her and this is how these mistakes happen so i think that number three risk management is definitely a good bonus three more to go number four personalization and customization a smaller supplier pool allows for more personalized relationships which can result in more customized and unique offerings for clients setting your agency apart from competitors getting to know the teams at any supplier or travel brand and having authentic relationships with them is invaluable and let me tell you a quick give you a quick example based on my own experience i have a group of around 60 travelers they are social media followers fans of my tv work family friends who have said you know what we want to start traveling with you so I said, okay, let me organize a trip. Actually, there's around 3,000 people on my email list of people who have said, we want to travel with you. Whatever you go on a trip, tell us and let's do a group trip. So I wanted to organize my first group trip as a river cruise. And I wanted to do it on the Danube because you all know I have a soft spot for Budapest. It's content creators paradise. I love the food. I just love the feelings. I love the restaurants, the castles, everything. Anyway, I was able to literally, I had scheduled up an opportunity with one river cruise line but then the ship fell through which is just the way that it works when you're doing charters part charters that kind of a thing and it was the ship was no longer available but I'd already gone out and done a um, kind of like an email out saying hey if I was to organize a river cruise October 20th 2024 to the 27th out of Budapest who would come this would be the starting prize book directly with the cruise line we'll go as a group and a bunch of people came back and said, yes, like 140 people on my email list came back and said, oh, we'd love to cruise with you. Um, send us more information. And then the ship availability wasn't there. And I really didn't because it's my first kind of follower fan based guided uh, trip, group trip. I really didn't want to mess around with the dates, especially being close to the holiday season. So I then, because of this incredible, these amazing relationships that I have with suppliers, which you have as well, you, some of you have been to weddings and I'm surprised some of you were not there for childbirth for some of these suppliers, because you know them really, really, really well. Some of you know some of them really well. Because of the relationships that I had, I was literally able to text the chief operating officer of a cruise line, who is pretty much like an active CEO, she's everywhere, and to text her and to be like, hey, any chance that you have a ship around this date on this river? And I was even willing to like flip the itinerary and start in Biltop and whatever. She texted me back and she said, I do have a ship. It was out of rotation for a different reason. I can put that ship on in that port at that time on that date for you. And I was like, wow, do you know how magical that feels? <laughs> like how special, like you can give flowers to a girl or you can move a cruise ship for her. Like it was just so incredible, but just having those authentic relationships. And let me just reinforce what an authentic relationship is. I sat next to her at an awards night, literally weeks before here in LA, a travel industry awards night. And we just talked about Houston and we talked about marriage. She talked about how she's renovating and organizing different parts of her house. I said to her, oh my gosh, I wish I, I don't need to renovate because, you know, we, um, we just built our house not long ago. But I said, I just struggle with laundry. I feel like it's 45 minutes to wash, an hour to dry, and then seven to 10 business days to put it away. I totally feel you and being overwhelmed and all that stuff. I need to do better. And she's like, oh, me too. We were just chatting about stuff like that. That is an authentic conversation that a mother and a wife has with another mother and a wife. And of course, we were there for business purposes, but 
and you know we spent time discussing business on the previous conversation we had this just deepened our authentic relationship and it was really nice and so then to be able two weeks later she was top of mind top of speed dial for me to be able to reach out to her and say hey you don't happen to have a ship do you that was amazing and oh p.s for those of you who just heard that those words and remember they you were triggered just then for a second top of mind top of speed dial is how the exact reason why you should be emailing out every single week to people on your email list with something because if I hadn't have sat next to her at the awards night that night she would not have been top of mind top of speed dial when I needed to work with her two weeks later okay reason number five feedback and improvement maintaining a closer relationship with a limited number of suppliers can facilitate better feedback mechanisms this ongoing dialogue can lead to continuous improvements in products and services I have to tell you that when we were in the coming out of the pandemic and river cruising had restarted, I took two fam trips on the river, uh, marketing masterclass on the rivers, and I did one in France and one out of the Netherlands, um, out of Amsterdam down to Basel. We had 90 travel advisors total. And I remember watching the way that the two different ships six months apart handled testing for COVID and um, communications and things like that. And I remember someone um, on our ship, another travel advisor, and he said, I don't love the way they're doing this. I think I'm going to give some feedback because I can see a better way to do it. And it was him and his wife were in the agency together and he was, he still had a full-time job and he helped out in it. And he said, at my work, this is what we're doing. He had such a good relationship with the cruise line that when he got home, he put in a phone call to the operations department and he was like, listen. On the ship, I saw this, 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 and this, and I just wanted to make a suggestion of a different way that it could be done, and they loved it. So that kind of feedback and improvement is so important, right? So, so, so important. Um, I was on a different cruise um, earlier this year, and my mother and father were there, and my mother was drinking the non-alcoholic wine, loved it so much was talking to a bunch of other travel advisors on board about, well, she, not other, because she's not, talking to a bunch of travel advisors on board about how great it was um, because she wasn't drinking alcohol and that made her feel socially part of everything. It gave her something nice to look forward to. She got a bottle at the beginning of the cruise. Her, um, the bar manager said, would you like for us not to offer you alcoholic beverages? And she said, yes, please. And he was like, great. So not only did they totally take care of my mama, but my mama started telling everybody about this wine when they were asking her what she was drinking. They were like, oh, what kind of wine is that? She said, actually, it's not alcoholic. And every single travel advisor on that table of six, plus the four next to her, plus the six on the other side, all looked at her and said, I didn't know they had that. So she was able to give that feedback to the cruise line on her survey that, hey, I really love this. I love the bar manager, be the bar server or bartender or bar manager, I can't remember, being so keyed in to asking me in such a respectful way do you need us to help you basically is what he was saying by not offering you this and this and listen when I tell you that every night she went into dinner and there were no ex extra wine glasses in there and never ever did the crew offer her alcoholic beverages it just made it so beautiful because they would come and they would say oh Miss Regina we have your wine ready for you your special wine ready what can I get for everybody else and she just felt part of it but here's the thing like a good 12 or 16 travel advisors did not know that was a thing when you have great relationships with people because you have fewer supplier relationships to manage you can give feedback and improvement when things go great and when things go wrong 
And now let's do number six, our final one, and that is market understanding and expertise. Focusing on fewer suppliers allows you and your team to develop deeper expertise and understanding of the specific, of the specific products and destinations that you sell, which translates to better advice and service for clients. Listen, I'm going to give you another example. My travel advisor, Melissa, her and her mama Luann, they have been everywhere, almost everywhere. I feel like they've been everywhere. Every now and then they book something for us that they have not experienced. And it always goes well, always. But nine times out of 10, they're booking for us suppliers that they work with on a day-to-day basis. They don't book 50 or 60 different suppliers. They really do specialize and keep their focus suppliers very tight. They are top sellers for their focus um, suppliers. They win awards everywhere. I was so amazing. Got to present Melissa the award as an MC at a travel um, awards night recently. And I felt so proud. I was like, that's my friend. That's my travel advisor. And that is somebody literally knowing her suppliers so well, knowing her product so well, becoming a top seller with their agency that they're up here getting awards, but also delivering exceptional feedback and truly understanding their market. So those are six reasons why you should have six to 10 focused suppliers that make up 90% of your revenue or make up 100% of your sales goals. If you would like more information on how to kind of where to move from from here, feel free to email us. Out, email us. We're going to be sending out some information um, to you about opportunities that you have, training opportunities and tools that we have that you can take advantage of. But in the case that you are just joining us, um, you know, after this episode goes uh, is published and you feel like um, you haven't seen anything or you need some help with that, let us know. I hope you love, love, loved today's topic. Head over to our Facebook group where we have a post in our Facebook group under the guide section where we can actually have a conversation about this. I would love to know your thoughts on this and I'd love to know what are you choosing? Who are you choosing? What's six to 10? If you get people outside of your focused suppliers, are you going to refer them or are you going to serve them? Either way, it's okay. Have a great, great rest of day and I'll see you in the next episode. If this podcast episode resonated with you and you'd like to hear more, head over to Travel Marketing and Media dot com slash podcast to get notified about new episodes and also listen to any that you may have missed. And if you'd like to ask a question about this episode, you can send it there for me to answer on a live Q&A. We'll see you in the next episode.